Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Bit of a fog from, from a few nights in a row of the show. Hey, um, I want to take everybody in here into a world that I'm going to just guess 99% of the people in here do not normally exist in, okay? We, uh, this is actually the second time in a month I've brought up bull riding or the rodeo, and I promise I don't do any of that, okay? Um, a few years ago, we were out in Nebraska, and we went to this very small town uh, called Amherst, and they were having a rodeo out there, and um, I have no cowboy gear whatsoever, but I would show up at this rodeo, and you know, there's the bull riding and stuff like that, and then they have this thing for the kids. Have you heard of mutton busting? Who's actually heard of that? Okay, wow, that is way more than I thought. Okay, there's some pictures. Yeah, you see, and here's what happens. Children, there's no saddle. There's no saddle. So what do they hang on to? Yes, sheep, sheep's hair, okay? And if you're a parent, you know, or if you've ever babysat, kids pulling on hair, it's crazy. And so we see this kid come flying out of the gate. I don't know what they do to anger the sheep to get it to run like that. But I, I found myself suddenly not worried about the kids at all because they've got protective gear, they've got helmets, they're fine. The sheep, it's a little concerning, okay? They fly out of this gate and there are just these shepherd dogs that are just barking at them to get them to run wherever they want them to go in the arena. And when the kid falls off the sheep, then what happens is you get these two cowboys that jump over a fence and they lasso this, this sheep and, and get it down to the ground. And in a couple cases, they just slung it over the shoulder, took it back to the pen, and did it all over again. And I sat there and I thought, I, I kind of feel convicted because I think this is kind of how I treat some of the people in my life from time to time. And you may feel like you've been treated that way by somebody in your life. And I, I, I just couldn't help feeling like that was such a great picture of our relationships with people from time to time. And in light of the series we're going through, uh, we wish you an awful Christmas. We, we want you to be full of awe, but we want you to be full of God's awe this Christmas as we walk through and talk through the holiday season. But when it comes to the people in your life, one, one idea I want you to know this morning, if you've got to leave early, here it is, that God has placed with the people in your life, he's placed his awe for them inside of you which you may very well disagree with. In fact, when that, first, when that first hit, and when I first looked at the passage we're gonna look at this morning, I went, no, he didn't. Nope, it's not there. It's not there. And yet, as we walk through this passage, I believe that that is a truth that every single one of us has to know, that God, when it comes to the people in your life, he has placed his awe for them inside of each and every single one of us. And so, we are actually going to look at this passage that has to deal, fittingly, with some guys who deal with sheep that are a big part of the Christmas story. Because as we walk through their story, we're going to see really three different ways that God has actually placed his awe inside of every single one of us for those that are around us. So, if you have your Bibles, we are in Luke chapter 2 this morning. And 
Uh, some of you may have heard this story. Some of you may not have. If you've not made it to the Christmas show, this scene is in the Christmas show. And uh, I'll get to that in a little bit here. But listen to this. This is Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Mary and Joseph have just had the baby, all right? They've just had Jesus in a manger, and it says in verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, it's so interesting that with, for an occupation that just seems to be so overlooked, especially in that day, it's in the Bible, okay? Matthew sees fit to put shepherds at the heart of the Christmas story is one of the main pieces, which is interesting because shepherds, not only were they overlooked, but they just smelled. I mean, can you imagine? It's kind of like, um, and I, I love the place, but have you been to Gunther Tootie's down the street? Okay, how long do you need to be in there before you come out smelling like Gunther Tootie's? <laughs> About two minutes, okay? So you can imagine these shepherds who are just with sheep all day Long. There is a reason that there is no cologne out there that is, mo- that is based on sheep scent. There is no eau de lamb, okay? It is interesting it says eau de toilet on every single bottle of cologne and perfume. I don't think that's how you pronounce it anyway. But they're overlooked. They smell, and it's just not that exciting. I mean, when you were younger, did anybody in here think, when I grow up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch sheep? No, nobody thinks that. It's not exciting until one night. Next verse. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were, appropriately, terrified. They were terrified. Now, think about this. If you are God, and you've just sent a piece of you, you have sent your son to earth to fulfill your grand plan, where do you start? Not with shepherds, okay? That's at least what I would say, but I'm not God. It's just, I wouldn't start there. But I think the reason that, that I bring that up is because there is something in us. There's something in us that is the reason we wouldn't start there. Shepherds? See, I think, and you think, well, God's going to get glory when, when I get another rung up the ladder, right? There's this, there's this thing in us that wants to make progress. And so we think when, when I get a promotion, when I'm the boss, when I'm the leader, that's when God is going to get his glory. And you know what God says here? No, a shepherd, a shepherd. My glory is going to start being revealed at the shepherd level, in the shepherd position, It's just interesting. But there's another piece to this that I think we've got to see. Where are the shepherds? In a field. And that goes against everything in us too because you like to think and I like to think that, well, when everything works out, that's when God will get glory. When the vantage point is a little bit better, in other words, not in a field but maybe on a mountaintop, that's when God will get glory from my life. When the way is smooth, when the obstacles have been cleared, when my strength is most visible, that's when God's going to get the glory. And you know what God says? No. Nope, it's a field. It's a shepherd in a field. Are you in a field right now? 
I mean, as you just think through the different areas of life, does one of those areas feel like you're a shepherd in a field? And it's just, I'm wishing and I'm wishing that the people that were in that field and the field itself were just different. I bring that up because this would not be the first time that God used a shepherd in a field. About a thousand years before these two verses took place, there was, actually God went to one of his prophets, a man named Samuel, and he said, Samuel, I want you to go to the house of a man named Jesse, okay? And I want you to go there because my anointed one, the one I have chosen to be king over Israel, is there at that house. So I want you to go there. So Samuel shows up at Jesse's house, eyes wide open. He's thinking, okay, God's anointed is in this place. And Jesse brings in his oldest son, Eliab, okay? And Eliab, as as Samuel is looking at him, he's thinking, surely this is the anointed one. And he hears God all of a sudden go, nope. Mm -mm. Okay, next son comes in. And Samuel's Samuel's thinking, okay, if it's not that guy, it's got to be this guy. Here's God go, nope. Seven times this happened. He had a lot of sons, okay? Seven times Jesse brings one of his sons in. And the Lord goes, nope, it's not him. And so Samuel looks at Jesse and he says, is there anybody else? And Jesse goes, well, there's one. And where do you think he was? Out in a field, shepherding the sheep. He said he's out tending the flock. And in comes David. And David comes in, and as soon as he walked in, do you know what Samuel heard? Rise and anoint him. He is the one I've chosen. Are you in a field? Take heart if you are in a field and if you feel like a shepherd right now. Because for all that's in us that we want to focus on our power and our title and and just making the way smooth for us, you know what God does in order to put his awe for them inside of you? One of the first things he does is he positions you. He has positioned you. There are some incredible things that happen in a field. Years ago, when my wife and I worked with the junior high group here at the church, believe it or not, that is not a full-time job. And so um, they're in school all day, and you got to find some other stuff to do. And so I had a lawn business for years, and um, one of my clients was actually West Bulls Community Church. And we just happened to have a field that needed to be mowed. And if you've seen the size of that field, you understand what it's like to be in a field. My mower was 36 inches wide. That field, and if you haven't seen it, just drive down there after church today. That field, 36 inches at a time. But actually, when you mow, you know, everybody knows you have to overlap. So it was more like 30 inches at a time. But there are some incredible things God shows you when you're in a field. For instance, I learned during that time that commercial mowers and snakes are just a really messy combination. Really messy combination. I've learned that a commercial mower can fling a bunny one and a half lanes out onto Bulls Avenue. It was an accident, okay? I did not aim for it. Today I might, but back then I wasn't aiming for it. (laughs) 
I think he was okay. Anyway, um, let's move on. <laughs> but you want to know one of the greatest things I learned in the years in the field? Is that God will show his glory and get his glory from a field. Because for all the time I was wishing that I didn't have to be doing that, you know what I discovered? That we have some incredible servants in this church. That's where I met Bev Gould, out here tending to the prayer garden. A lot of conversations about the Lord out there. That's where I discovered a group of men who show up every single Thursday here. And if you were to show up on a Thursday here, you would still see them. They are here every single week, just beautifying the grounds here. It's interesting what you see when you're in the field. And so don't forget, he's positioned you there. And he knows you're there. He knows you're there, but he may have put you there for the people that are with you there. Well, that's the first way that he puts his awe inside us for those around us. The passage continues. Verse 10, it says, But the angel, remember, they're terrified at this point, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. Now, if the angel had stopped there, and I'm a shepherd, I would think, okay, I'm good. Aside from the shock of what I'm seeing right now, um, I, can, I can rest a little easier if I know that you're bringing good news. But the angel didn't stop there. In fact, the angel said four terrifying words. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Now, if you're the shepherd, you might be thinking, why are you telling me that you're bringing me good news and then tying that to all the people? Why don't you just go tell them? And at that point, I imagine the angel said, because you're going to go tell them. And that, I imagine, might have been just as terrifying as the sight of the angels for the shepherds. Doesn't say it, but if I think about my experience, I would think that's terrifying. How many of you have been to the Christmas show? Okay, this is my shameless plug. If you haven't seen it, go to the show, okay? And it is just... I can't explain it until you just go see it, okay? But before the Christmas show each night, um, John has so lovingly, he's done this thing for me and, and for all the audience as well. He puts this timer up on the screen and it starts counting down from five minutes. And so last night I was talking to Lisa Beatty before the show and I, I just looked up and I saw this timer come on and there is just still, you just need to know that there is still this thing that when you know you're about to get up in front of people, there's just this underlying, <sighs> okay, so when the timer's at five minutes, we're good, okay? It gets to four minutes, still good. This thing got down to about a minute last night, and I was like, <sighs> which I imagine is what the shepherds are going through at this point of the story. Because oftentimes our fears, we have these fears that are tied to our limitations, if we see or perceive some kind of limitation inside of ourselves, fear creeps in. And as the shepherds were about to learn, fear has no place because of what they said next. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. 
He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Did you notice it didn't say you need to go do something? It didn't say you need to go perform well. It says you will find, which means you need to look. And the reason you need to look is tied to what happened next. Verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And some translations say, on those with whom he is well pleased. Do you, in your day to day, do you feel his favor? Do you sense that he is well pleased with you? I'm not sure that's a narrative that really runs through our brains very regularly. A lot of times what I'm thinking about are my limitations and it creates a fear that I don't measure up to what is in front of me. And yet the angels say, you have all the favor you need because I've given you Jesus. It's interesting, he tied go see the baby with favor. Go see Jesus with favor. Implication when Jesus shows up in your life. This is why we celebrate Christmas. It is the arrival of God's favor in our lives. How interesting. Now, this would not be the first time that God had to give a shepherd or a group of shepherds, but a shepherd, a sign of his favor. And when we talked about David, that's one shepherd. But if you were to go back to Genesis, God shows up to this shepherd named Abram, who later becomes Abraham. And you know what he says to him? He says, Abraham, I am going to bless you. I am going to bless you to where your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And do you know what Abraham did? He laughed. He laughed. Because for Abraham, this was probably not his normal day-to-day thinking. Abraham is thinking about his limitation. And so Abraham operated possibly out of a state more of fear and laughed when he heard about this favor. Not only has God positioned you, he favors you. The question is, are we looking for that favor? I think we spend a lot of time watching out for our fears when God says, no, I want you to look out for my favor. In other words, you could look around at the people in your life and see the exact same person, but totally different ways. In fact, let me take you back a few years. Do you remember the viral phenomenon of the dress? You remember this? Let me just ask, how many of you right now, when you look at that dress, see a white and gold dress? How many see a black and blue dress? How interesting. We're looking at the exact same thing, but we see it two different ways. And I think that happens with the people in our lives. Oftentimes we look at our circumstances, we look at our position, we look at the people in our lives, and sometimes it's fear-colored, 
and sometimes it's favor colored. By the way, it's white and gold, okay? I'm just saying, that's how I see it. <laughs> actually, no, what they did is they messed with the color, color levels on this. That is actually a black and blue dress. I know, it's weird, I don't get it. Anyhow, he has positioned you, he has favored you, but he's not done yet. Look at the passage, continues. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, if you just got that announcement, angels in the sky and the heavenly host, and they sing you a song, what are you expecting when you get there? This better be amazing. What did they see? Verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Okay, I first read that and I was like, well, that's it? I mean, there were, there were like three paragraphs dedicated to what they were going to see. And one sentence, Mary and Joseph and a baby. In other words, this, as I read this, I thought, this is very ordinary, God. This looks very, very ordinary. I mean, there's a sense of, I wondered if the shepherds thought, and we'll find out differently in a minute, but I wondered if they thought, kind of feel like the angels overpromised and underdelivered. I mean, it's a manger. I, I was expecting a palace with fireworks and like lighting up the skies and all the angels and you name it. Mary and Joseph and a baby in a manger. They're not even at the hospital. <laughs> They're in a manger. And I think that also speaks to something in us, that oftentimes we see things the way we want to see them. And this is where I think the shepherds pull ahead of me and of a lot of us, because look at what the shepherds do. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Again, look at the wording there. It was what had been told them, not what was before them. They spread the word concerning what had been told them. See, there are just times in life where when you look at what's in front of you, you're gonna have to rely on what God has told you about what's in front of you. Because what's in front of you just doesn't look that great. It's a field. I'm a shepherd. It's a couple and their baby, and it, it looks the same as any other couple and their baby during that time. And yet God says, no, this situation is something spectacular. This is something that is life-changing. And the shepherds knew that. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And look at this. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Did you notice they didn't have to manufacture anything? They didn't have to come up with anything. They didn't have to add to the story. All they had to do was see it the way God saw it and speak it according to what they were told. Because you know what I think God wants? 
You may be in the field right now. It may look ordinary right now. And God is saying, I want you to see as I see. And I want you to say what I say. He's positioned you. He has favored you. But he also has given his perspective to you. He wants you to have his perspective. Last year, do you remember the, the eclipse? That, that eclipse that like, how, just be honest, how many of you took time off work to see the eclipse? Okay, neither did I. I was just checking. Anyway, um, no, we had this, this, you know, once in a lifetime, but I feel like every few years we get this eclipse that people talk about as once in a lifetime. But there was this eclipse, and, and people went to, like, different towns in America to get a better perspective of it. But let me ask you this. If you saw it, if you bought the special glasses, if you got the piece of paper and watched the, the shadow of it on the paper, um, did you cry? Did you cry at the eclipse? Anybody? There's no shame here. I might point you out, but there's no shame here. No. Yeah, I doubt you cried. Well, I want you to see this video. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, my word. This is amazing. What do you think of this, guys? Wow. You did it. Congratulations. <laughs> Where are you going to be in seven years? I don't know. I think we're going to be back here again. All right, all right. We'll see you back here. Look at this. Oh, my word. Look at the horizon, everybody. Uh, look at that. It's like day to night. Uh, All right, so that's a weatherman in Chicago who days before was talking about he had heard of people actually crying at eclipses and had a little giggle about it, and that was him. Um, my favorite part of the video was the guy who said, you did it, man. It's an eclipse. You, you didn't do anything. <laughs> do you know God wants you to have your, his perspective on you and on the people he's put around you? In fact, this wouldn't be the first group of shepherds that God gave his perspective to. There was David. There was Abraham. Exodus chapter 4. God goes to excuse me, a man named Moses, a shepherd. And he says, Moses, you are going to lead my people out of Egypt. And he said, you're going to gather the leaders of the people, and you're going to speak to them about what you're going to do. And you know what Moses said? No, no, it's not me. I mean, what if they don't listen to me? And the Lord says, well, who gave man their mouths? I'll give you the words, Moses. You know what Moses said back? Find somebody else. <laughs> Find somebody else. Because Moses didn't have God's perspective on the situation or on himself. And God said, oh, no, I'm going to give you the words. He has positioned you. He's favored you. And he's given his perspective to you. 
That's how I know and that's how we know that God has put his awe for those around us inside of us. He's put his awe for them inside of you. And he's positioned you with them. He's favored you to go speak to them. And he's given you his perspective. He's done that for all of us. But maybe my favorite part of this entire passage is what happens next. Verse 20 says this, the shepherds returned to their flocks. The shepherds returned to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. How interesting. There was no promotion. They went back to do the exact same tasks they did every single day. There was no different field. They went back to the same fields they had always known. And the sheep were the exact same. They went back to the exact same sheep. And yet, nothing was the same. Because they were now different people. They were totally different people. You want to know who I think about over and over and over when I read this passage? The sheep. I can't stop thinking about the sheep. Did they sense that these shepherds were different? Did they, do you think they sensed they were different? Because at the start of the passage, they had shepherds who, man, I don't know the history of the flock. They might have been mutton busted into, into joining this flock. They may have been wrangled and lassoed and slung over the shoulder and and had been tugged at and wrestled to the ground and all that. I don't know. But they had shepherds at the beginning of the passage who watched over them. In other words, they fed them, and they protected them, and they would guide them, and they would lead them. They'd get them to soccer practice, get them to school, work in the cubicle next to them, clock in, clock out every single day. It's a group of shepherds that were going through the motions, just kind of going through life at the beginning of the passage. But by the end of the passage, they're not just going through the motions anymore. These were shepherds who somehow understood they had been positioned by God that because they had looked into the face of Jesus, they had been favored by God. And as they looked around at what was before them, they now had the perspective of God. And any time there's a shepherd who understands those things, you can look for the glory of God in the lives of that shepherd and those sheep. When you, look what the verse says, Return. When you return home, when you return to work, when you return to practice, when you return to what is seemingly the ordinary day to day to day, same task, same field, same flock, there are some sheep there waiting. 
Will they sense the difference? As the worship team comes up, let me pray. Heavenly Father, wow. Such an ordinary, seemingly ordinary task these shepherds had. Such an ordinary field. Such an ordinary day today. And yet, you are a God who knew this was actually perfect. Because this was the place that you wanted to convey to them and to us. That you have placed your awe for those around us inside of us. And so you look to us to communicate about you to them. I ask that for every single person in here that has looked around and they see the field and they see the shepherd, that they would understand they are positioned by you. I pray that as we look at Christmas, that you would give us all the opportunity to stare into the face of that baby in the manger and understand we are favored by you. But also to look at what is in front of us, at the opportunity so that we can see as you see and say what you want us to say to have your perspective. We pray all this in Jesus' name.